Hey everybody, welcome to An American F1. I'm your host, Bernie Klein, and we are into another week without F1. And before I get into the headline that I really want to dive into, I would be remiss if I did not mention what happened last week in American football. And in a way, it relates to motorsport in terms of the feelings that are felt when a powerful be it a shunt, an incident, whatever, happens in sport in general and motorsport. And that was with the Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, from an American football team, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so last Monday, DeMar Hamlin took this like terrible, crazy hit, and he went into cardiac arrest. And, you know, if you were some, I did not catch the broadcast live, thank God. Uh, I would have probably even been more anxious. I caught it as I was scrolling through Twitter, and I went right to it. But if you're watching the coverage, it, it it's like that same feeling you get, and that that has happened all too many times. If you're a motorsport fan, where you know you see that bad shunt, you see that bad incident, and you get that gut wrenching feeling where you're almost like on the verge of throwing up. And uh, you know, I was just thinking back to times recently where I felt that with like you know Zhou Guanyu and. Roman Grosjean, you know, thankfully they, they were okay in both of their incidents. And and to see something like that happen in a sport where, you know, at least motorsport we acknowledge. I mean, it's often mentioned. And it's well documented that motorsport is a very dangerous profession. And, and we know the risks that drivers go into and uh, that marshals go into and that pit crew members go into when they're, when they're on the track on a daily, you know, weekly basis. But... To see it happen in a, a sport like American football was really like, I don't want to say like gut-wrenching or jarring, but it just really like hit at the nerve. And glad to see DeMar Hamlin's doing all right. He's tweeting from his bed. He's conscious. He's he's going to pull through. It's it's a great story. But again, it just goes to show you that, you know, we we love these sports for their entertainment, be it Formula One, be it NASCAR, be it. NFL, NBA, Premier League Soccer, but sometimes you really do need to take in the human aspect of the sport and the fact that these athletes, again, be it in motorsport, being in other sports, they, they really are putting their lives on the line for our entertainment, and I think that's something we truly do take for granted at times, and to see that the athlete is doing alright is a big relief whenever that happens, and I don't know, I just had to mention that because it was something that was on my mind and I would have been thinking about it if I did not bring it up today. But, again, the good news is he's doing well, he's in shape, he's going to pull through, good news overall. And uh, But nevertheless, uh, uh, as an American, as an F1 fan, the big story, I would be remiss, I, it would be a big failure on my part if I did not bring up the hype for this. And that is... Andretti Motorsports. And I said this last week. I said, it is the story that will not die. I said, I guarantee you that next week I'll be talking about Andretti Motorsports. And, you know, that was just a random guess because it seems like Andretti Motorsport has been in the news day in, day out, week in, week out of Formula One. But, but the news that broke this week, just a few days ago, is perhaps the biggest and most important news the most important development for Andretti into Formula One, and depending on how you look at it, this is huge news for USA's entry, USA's headway into Formula One, 
And that is the entry of Andretti Motorsport into Formula One or an exploratory committee of an entry into Formula One with Andretti Racing partnering with GM and Cadillac to create a Formula One entry. And you know what's funny? A couple of days ago, I believe it was a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mohammed bin Salem was basically talking about how if these teams are going to join Formula One, if there's going to be these new entries into Formula One, there has to be some kind of, you know, guarantee that they're going to bring something to the table. And Andretti called that bluff and answered it supremely by deciding to partner with Cadillac and GM. This is just epic news all around. When we're talking like the heart of USA Formula One, this is what we want to see. We want to see Andretti, not just with Andretti Motorsport, not just with the Andretti name that brings, you know, speed that is associated with speed. You know, you can watch movies. I remember, I was thinking back, like, when you hear the Andretti name in so many different references, right? Like, even Meet the Parents, that movie Meet the Parents. Remember they're doing, like, the little the little drag race through the streets of uh, Long Island and... and you know, they even mentioned at the end, hey, Andretti, you know, like, Mike, uh, the Andretti name, Mario Andretti, right, the Andretti family, is associated with speed in the United States. You think speed, you think Andretti. Of course, he's also an F1 champion, a, a NASCAR winner, has just, like, a multi-talented racer through in and throughout his career. So, to have the Andretti name in Formula 1 as a team... Which has also had success in IndyCar would be epic and I think would be such a great move for Formula One. And to add GM and Cadillac, think about that. We would have not just an Andretti team with that name, we would have what is essentially a works team, a Cadillac GM team in Formula One from the United States. Like, that is something unprecedented. We have not seen that on the Formula One level. I don't think ever. I'm, I might be wrong. You might feel free to correct me, but I don't think we have seen that ever. We've had, we've had U.S. teams, right? You think Haas Lola. We have Haas right now in F1. We've had, you know, different, um, what am I trying to say? Different, like, different forms of F1 teams that are, you know, based in America, but we've never had a works team. We've had the Ford Cosworth engines, which were like kind of this, like, hybrid project with an English manufacturer, but we've never had that that works team where you could say that that is American made, that's American team. And you know, I'm sounding really biased right now, but you're listening to a podcast called An American F1. You don't think I'm gonna talk about the biggest American news and share some kind of American bias on it? I am. And honestly, I don't have a problem with it. And there have been, there has been a lot of like blowback. There have been a lot of team principals, if I'm thinking offhand. I mean, I think the only person that was really defending it, and I might be wrong, Zach Brown was like a huge defender of Andretti. Hell, he even gave Mario Andretti a ride in an F1 car not too long ago, right? So at least we have Zach Brown on our side, who is, you know, I would say a good ally, even though I've been kind of critical of Zach recently, but. 
Zach is a great ally to have. He knows Zach is a marketing like genius. He knows where the money is to be made and where the markets are to be open. He's not dumb. He knows that bringing in an American F1 team will help propel the sport to new levels. But there have been other teams such as, you know, the one that I hate to bring it up, but Total Wolf, and I believe even maybe Christian Horner have not been so much on the nice side about this. They've been critical, saying, and I guess the problem lies in with this whole revenue sharing thing with throwing in another team means less money for these other teams. You know what, though? Like, get that out of here. Like, you're telling me, like, I don't know. It's so frustrating to hear that. And, you know, you would think that it would be welcoming, especially with the notoriety and the the general exposure that this could give Formula One. And for his credit, Mohammed bin Sulaim, the president of FIA, of the FIA, released this statement on Twitter. He said, It is surprising that there has been some adverse reaction to the Cadillac and Andretti news. The FIA has accepted the entries of smaller, successful organizations in recent years. We should be encouraging prospective F1 entries from global manufacturers like GM and thoroughbred racers like Andretti and others. Interest from teams in growth market adds diversity and broadens F1's appeal. That is what I am saying here. Why would you not? Listen. Say what you want about America and F1. There is no denying that America... You know, it's kind of like this myth. And, and you know, I might get shit on here. I don't care if you're going to be critical about this. And I know it's not what people want to hear all the time. But... The fact is, you can't deny that America has had a huge influence on F1. And F1 is not purely a European sport. And there is a reach beyond Europe. And there has been a history beyond Europe in Formula One. Like, America has been a key part. There have been, you know, and let's not forget the drivers from North and South America, right? Like, the Americas have played a key role in the development of Formula One. And let's not forget the role that the United States has played. When we're talking about a sport that has had the likes of not just Mario Andretti as a champion, Phil Hill, an early champion, right? From driving a Ferrari 156 from Miami, Florida, champion. We've had those experiments with, oh, how about this? We've had drivers such as Peter Revson who was a talented driver and unfortunately his life was cut short, but was an American driver. We've also had, remember, if you're thinking back like to the 70s, 80s, some of the premier races throughout Formula One history, the Indianapolis 500, even before that, in the 50s, was considered a Grand Prix event. We've gone racing at the Indianapolis Road Course. We've gone racing at Watkins Glen, which for the longest time was one of the premier F1 venues. It was where the F1 season would conclude. Races at uh, Long Beach, Detroit, Vegas before Vegas. We're going now to Miami. We go to Texas. It was sold out recently. Miami. We, The United States is an expanding market. Logan Sargent making his entry into F1 through Williams. So there are venues. There are There is this exposure. And I think it's it's a shame to acknowledge that you know, it's, it's a shame to see that some teams want to push against this. And I think, 
you know, wherever we have the chance to expand into new markets, we should. And the fact is that there is a rich history of Formula One within the United States, and it and it really should not be ignored. And I know people, again, are going to say, well, show us the evidence of that. And I just did, right? Like, there is a rich history, and the United States deserves to get their... Alright, I'm not saying they deserve to get their team, because there is Haas, but for me, from my perspective, to see Andretti, with the Andretti name, bringing in the manufacturers, the GM, bringing in Cadillac, that is a huge deal. That means a lot. Just as much as Mercedes coming in and representing the German manufacturer side, just to see Aston Martin in, it's a big deal. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what it can do. And I hope that these teams realize this is the right move to make. And and F1 should not be this club of 20 teams. What is the wrong with bringing in another team? What is so wrong about that? I think it's the right move to make. I think it will be a great move for the sport. I think it will prove very, very, very worthwhile if we get a team like Andretti Racing in there. So I'm hoping for great success from Andretti Racing. I think they have the tools to be successful in F1. I think they can, you know, obviously starting any team, whether with manufacturer support or not, it's going to be difficult. But if there's a team that I would have faith that would be able to do it, I would put my faith behind Andretti Racing. So I, for one, am looking forward to seeing what this team can do, how they can perform, and we, let's get ready to speculate on who they're going to have as a driver, right? Like, are they going to go with an American driver? There's got to be at least one, right? Like, off my, off the top of my head, I'm thinking, like, Colton Herta, like, is a no-brainer. He has the experience. He's with Andretti already. That dude can drive a car. I, I mean, if you've watched IndyCar racing on the road courses, he knows how to wheel a car. And that is one guy who I'd be like, yeah. Let's tap that guy in. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do in an F1 car. He's had some testing. I think that is a prime a prime candidate for an Andretti seat. The other one, I don't know. I got to speculate there. I got to do some little more uh, thinking over there. But point is, I'm excited to see an Andretti team in Formula 1. I hope you guys are too. I mean, there's no reason not to. They, they, they have the name. They have the notoriety. And this is the right move for Formula One. If Formula One wants to move into new markets, into growth markets, <clears throat> sorry, my throat's a little sore, but if Formula One wants to make this move and get into these new markets, they gotta target teams like that that bring that notoriety. Yeah, it's great we have Haas. And and I don't wanna I don't wanna sidestep Haas. They are an American team, but Andretti can be that. With I mean, comparing Haas to Andretti with Cadillac. And GM backing is is insane. Like, we know which team is the real, like, flag bearer. And again, I, I mean that in the best of terms to Haas. I, I have immense respect for Haas. I'll get into Haas in a few weeks, but I have immense respect for Haas. I think they're on the right upward trajectory. But at the same time, whatever. Okay? But, <coughs> sorry. Really struggling with a sword throat here. But anyway. Moving on, so yeah, and that Andretti news was bombshell news. I mean, people were going nuts over it, and I I don't blame people. It was, it was quite epic news, and I think it was definitely the news of the weekend. It's just amazing how 
Andretti Racing. You know, people complain, what am I supposed to do with no F1 over the offseason? Well, there you go. You got Andretti Racing to at least cover some of your F1 fill. But some of the news I wanted to talk about, some of the things that came up, uh, you know, as we're talking about new teams, I was reading some things about, you know, we, we've been talking about the cost cap and the cost cap drama and one team that is going to be operating at the cap level soon will be Haas Racing, which, you know, actually, sorry, not Haas Racing anymore, Haas MoneyGram F1 team, Haas MoneyGram Racing. Either way, with that injection of a new title sponsor, and I think this is finally, I know it's so easy to make fun of Haas too for finding a title sponsor, right? Like, let's think the, the past couple of title sponsors between Haas, is it Yurokali? Yurokali Racing, right? The Mazepin, the Mazepin, uh, sponsored venture or Rich Energy. Haas hasn't exactly had a stellar record with their <clears throat> title sponsors. Nevertheless, um, Haas Racing going to be operating on the cap level. That's huge for them. That that could be a major influence on how they perform this year and you know the development they make. I think there was one. If there's one area you could argue that Haas Racing really struggled in, it was developing their 2022 car. So. Into 2023, you know, they got new uh, new backing, new sponsors. I think that's exciting to see. Like, let's see what Haas Racing can do with the full money, with, with now a committed sponsor that's going to sponsor this team. Let's see what they can do. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, too. I was thinking, I was kind of, like, reflecting on Haas Racing. And this kind of ties into something else I was looking at, which was... Uh, on Formula1.com, Daniel Rick had, he did one of those Beyond the Grid podcasts. And I gotta admit, I did not listen to the whole podcast, but I was reading the article and it got into Danny Ricardo talking about his leaving of McLaren. And you could definitely tell that there was this like mental health side of Daniel Rick's departure from McLaren. And obviously, I mean, the dude was struggling and it was painful to watch Daniel Ricardo struggle this year. Um, you know, as he explained it himself, you could call it burnout, but, um, you know, he, he mentioned that he could have gone to Haas Racing, which again, ties into this fact that Haas Racing is, if there's a team, I, I know there are like teams you could talk about upward trajectory, downward trajectory, and you, you can say what you want about Haas's season this year. I think overall people would agree that this year was a bright spot for Haas. Yeah, they finished eighth in the constructors, but and yeah, I, I think Mick overall did underperform or, you know, obviously didn't do as much as he probably could have to get points for that team, especially when you think of maybe like points thrown away at Bahrain or Saudi. But the fact is Haas Racing, I think for 2023 is a team committed. And, you know, with the likes of, you know, just goes to show you that if they were reaching out for a guy like Daniel Ricardo, and I mean, why would you not? He, he's a veteran. He's a proven waste winner. Uh, rate, <coughs> sorry, a proven race winner. So, you know, it goes to show you that Dan and Ricardo, like, if Haas is racing out, if Haas is reaching out to him, that shows you that they're committed to the, trying to achieve victory. And you got to give that team credit for doing that. You know, um, not many other teams would do that in that situation. Um, nevertheless, though, he ended up obviously making his decision to go to Red Bull, which... I think many of us would not deny that was the proper place for 
Daniel Ricciardo to go, I think, for his <clears throat> for his mental health sake. But to see where Haas is going to go, I don't know. Um, in other news, uh, some other things I was looking at, the W14, right? So probably one of the enigmas of this Formula One season was that of the W14. Oh, sorry, W13. And the fact that, you know, Mercedes at times looked like you'd be a fast car and just flat out disappointed at times. And from what I was reading, I was reading an article that was presented, you know, getting quotes from Total Wolf. And it mentioned that the floor of the W14 is going to look very different. But the rest of the car will look pretty much the same. So conceptually, they're still going with that no side pods idea. And I mentioned this last week, like... I have no clue what that means. I could not tell you anything about what those side pods mean, what it means for, uh, you know, aerodynamics. I'm not an aerodynamicist, but if that means that maybe we're getting a competitive Mercedes team, that's exciting because let's get real. The, the regulations went not as we expected this year. I think many of us were expecting to see teams like near the top. We were expecting to see you know, different winners, different podium winners, and we did not get that aside from George Russell's win at George Russell's win at uh, Brazil and, you know, the Lando podium. We did not see anything else, not much variety between Red Bull and Ferrari. And, you know, if we could see Mercedes join the mix, I still want... See, as much as I would like a third team like Mercedes to be in the mix, I think, like, for these regulations to be declared ultimately successful we need to see teams like like teams that are close like alpine to me if they figure out their reliability issues how ironic would that be by the way if alpine is able to figure out their reliability issues right when fernando alonso leaves and that becomes a fast car like oh my god fernando would go crazy speaking of which did you see fernando was asking aston martin to bring like four engines or something because he's like so ptsd from all those times he was with Alpine and their reliability issues. Poor guy, man. That guy just struggled with reliability so much. You gotta, you gotta kind of feel for him. But yeah. Um. What were they saying? Oh yeah, I was going into uh, the fact that, you know, looking at conceptually Mercedes and these teams competing and the regulations. Like, we need to see more teams at the front. We need to see. It's not enough for me. I don't think it would be enough to declare the regulation successful if we still see a Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes fight. I want to see Alpine up there, McLaren. Give us, you know, I think maybe this year Aston Martin can bring a fight. I don't know so much about Alfa Romeo, Haas, Alfa Tari Williams, but give us some variety at the front. Like, give us something to look at. Give us something. You know, it was funny because, listen, I, I, I've been critical of Zach Brown at times. And at times I love the guy. I have like a love-hate relationship with Zach Brown. Sometimes I agree with him wholeheartedly. Sometimes I'm like, what is he doing? But one where one one where one way I got to disagree with Zach Brown recently is he mentioned that like this season was entertaining. Like, I'm sorry, Zach Brown, it was not an entertaining season. I don't know what you were watching, but like, yeah, we had a good race here or there, but like there were many races that mm, you know could have gone a little better. But yeah, I, I did not know what he was getting at there with that. But um, speaking of racing and venues and places, 
the Chinese Grand Prix, like, what is going to happen with that? I feel like we keep getting conflicting reports. Sometimes it says, oh, the Chinese Grand Prix is coming back. Oh, no, now it's going to Portimao. Like, it seems like things are moving forward where we will actually have a Chinese Grand Prix, which, honestly, I got to say, like, this goes back to that argument I was making before in regards to Andretti and expanding to global markets. Like, I want to see F1 in new markets. I want to see them going other places. And I think it would be amazing for F1 to return to China. Uh, especially because we have Zhou Guanyu, who is a Chinese driver. Like, just that guy has not had the opportunity. And he is a talented driver. And that's something I didn't mention either. I've been high in Zhou Guanyu for a long time. And last week, I didn't, I don't have the exact quote with me. I can't look it up, but you gotta find it. It's definitely on Twitter somewhere. Zhou Guanyu basically like shut down all the haters and I give that guy credit because man, I've been talking about like, he's not just a guy who is hired for his money. He is a talented race car driver and he proved it this year. Like name a recent rookie driver other than like, all right, you could say like George Russell Lando Norris, but Zhou Guan Yu, honestly, just as consistent as those guys in their rookie years. Like, you look at George Russell racing for a lower-budget team, a team that was not near the front. George Russell put in good, consistent performances. And the same could be said about Zhou Guan Yu. And I think if he didn't shut up the haters this year, he better have. And I think he will next year, too. I think he's an extremely talented, methodical driver. He's got the right guidance with Valtteri Bottas with him. He's now having, um, he's now also having, um, Andreas Seidel join him. So this is huge. This is a big deal in regards to how we should view Zhou Guanyu as a driver. So I'm so glad that he clapped back at the haters and saying, like, basically, this is what it is about. This is what we are doing. And this is how I perform this year. So big props. And I think this is a guy who deserves the right to perform in front of his home crowd at the Chinese Grand Prix. And I think that goes a big way again into expanding the support. The sp <coughs> Sorry. A big way into expanding the support and showing it the levels of reach it can truly have. And the fact that we have drivers like, like F1 has not been the most diverse sport in history. And, you know, we can think of some drivers. Lewis Hamilton, Shogun Yu, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, Yaro Shanduk, um, you know, just some drivers to name a few that have been from more diverse areas. We need to keep hammering at that. We need more diversity. I think F1 is moving in the right direction in a lot of ways, expanding into the American market, which although is a lot about money. But we need to make sure, yes, we need to hit Japan, China. We need to, I really still am hoping that Kailami gets figured out soon and that we go to South Africa, uh, a, a track with a lot of F1 history as well. Um, and, you know, there is just so much more we can be doing with Formula One and expanding the global reach of uh, Formula One. And I hope we do it in a responsible way, in a way that attracts people, not just not just fans, but future drivers as well and future team bosses, engineers, all the elements that make an F1 team successful. I hope that we're able to bring that in by expanding the sport. And, uh, you know, so I know we talk a lot about 
Formula One and its expansion into new markets and things like that. And, of course, the Formula One off-season. And a lot of you are uh, probably feeling bored at this point. You're like, I don't know what to watch. Um, I'm bored. I don't know. Like, there's not much racing going on. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You may be bored. You may not be finding anything. But here's what I'm going to tell you. There is a lot to go on with Formula One these days. Uh, sorry, other than Formula One these days. You got some big racing events coming up. So before I leave for today, and again, I know I, I keep saying I'm going to preview Williams. I got to do it soon. I don't know, like, how much can I really talk about Williams racing? There, oh, That is a team. I want to do my Williams, like, season preview for 2023, post-2022 recap but like that team I feel like I have so much to say and at the same time I have so little to say about them but anyway I'm sure a lot of you have been in pain about missing Formula One every Sunday so I'm just here to tell you that like there are other things you can watch there is you know the Rolex 24 Daytona is coming up the Bush I, would, I don't even know what they're calling it now in NASCAR the Bush the Bush Clash I believe it's called the Bush Clash, yeah, the Bush Clash at the Coliseum, a very entertaining NASCAR venue. I know a lot of you might not be NASCAR fans, but we have the Bush Clash coming up. The Bush Clash, that's a hard thing to say, like, at the same time. And, of course, the Daytona 500. And, you know, for a while, it's been my ritual to watch the Rolex 24, whatever that it was called, the Bud Shootout back in the day. Now it's the Bush Clash. And then the Daytona 500, and that kind of like the speed weeks, it it got you hyped for the racing season. It's like that prelude to Formula One, even if, you know, Formula One and Indy, like, even if you're just a Formula One fan, you got to give these other series at least a try. And you know what? To make your life easier, I could tell you that the best series for you to get into is undoubtedly IMSA and the Rolex 24. The Rolex 24 is one of my, like, marquee events that I love to watch. And whether you're an open wheel fan, whether you're a NASCAR fan, Formula One fan, there is a lot of great opportunities to see great drivers and great talents in that Rolex 24. I mean, we got guys like Sebastian Bourdais in there, Scott Dixon. Um, you might be more familiar with people such as Brendan Hartley. Uh, um, we also have, who else is in here? Colton Herta, who I mentioned before as a potential like future F1 driver, Jack Aitken, uh, reserve driver, I believe, for Williams for a long time, uh, Esteban Gutierrez, so, and, and, uh, I believe Roman Grosjean is in it, and also Jan and Kevin Magnussen are racing as a team, so there's just a lot of great quality drivers to watch in it, so I, I highly recommend if you get a chance, at least watch, if you don't watch the, watch the beginning, maybe the middle stages, and watch the end, because, it's true, and you gotta watch a portion of the overnight too. It's just, it is epic. And what's so cool about the Rolex 24 is one, the quality of drivers. You get drivers not just from former F1 drivers, you get IndyCar drivers, you get drivers who are just endurance drivers, you get NASCAR drivers, you get like the whole realm of motorsport in this race. And, and it goes to show you why, like, for me, endurance racing is so cool because you get like this variety of drivers that you usually don't get to see on the track at the same time other than like you know special like the race of champions or things like that but yeah i highly recommend watching it it's always cool because like 
99% of the time, no matter how close or how far, like after 24 hours of racing, it always seems to be a close race near the end. So I highly recommend watching it. It is an entertaining race. It will fill in your F1 fix and, you know, kind of lead you in getting a little hyped for the season to come, which actually also reminded me, I forgot to mention that we, just in case you guys didn't follow, uh, pin this, remember it, whatever you got to do, we have about half our teams now announcing livery dates. So, in case you need to remember this, February 11th will be Alpha Tower in New York City. I got to find a way to get there still. It's going to drive me nuts if I don't find a way. Aston Martin, February 13th. Not to be outdone by Aston Martin, McLaren also re uh, releasing their livery on February 13th. Then followed on Valentine's Day. The the It's appropriate that Ferrari would be on Valentine's Day, right? Because they just love to break their fans' hearts. But Ferrari, February 14th. And then the last livery launch announced so far is Alpine on February 16th. So that might be enough to satiate your F1 emptiness that you're feeling right now, your F1 tastes. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I'll catch up with you guys next week. Maybe I'll have a chance to do a random breakdown podcast this Thursday on my Thursday bits. But if I don't, listen next week on next Sunday for what I got to give you guys. But thanks again for listening. As always, feel free to follow me on Twitter at an American F1. And I'll be talking to you guys next week.